everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. We've been having fun, of course, listening to some people's uh, stories along the way. And, uh, and some of you know, you know a lot about Bill and Lorna's story. And some of you have never heard really their story. And so uh, I guess, first of all, would you just tell us just a little bit about, uh, just a little bit about you, know, where you're from and those kind of things. And, uh, um, and, you know, we don't have all day, but uh, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was born in Montreal, Quebec. Not yet, not yet. Okay. Just a little bit about about. Yeah, just hold it right up to your right up to your mouth. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> okay, so I was born in Montreal, Quebec, and. Uh, right to your mouth. <laughs> I'll eat it. Yes. I I was from a family that wasn't. Well, the word dysfunction doesn't quite describe it, but. Um, God was always watching over me, and uh, we'll tell a little bit more about that later. You want where she was born? You know where you. You 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 could go ahead. Where were you? Where are you from? What okay. kind of family are you from? Where did you grow up? That kind of stuff. Okay, I was born in the Belleville Hospital, and I grew up in a little place called Deseronto. And then we moved from there to Collins Bay. My dad was involved in the Department of Veterans Affairs. So with those kind of jobs, we moved quite a bit and ended up in Toronto and Ottawa with the federal government for a while and then back to Hamilton and then finally to Collingwood. Awesome. So, Lorna, tell us a little bit about your, uh, you've been chomping at the bit, so just go. Okay, uh, go. To just how you came to Christ and how... Well, um... Because my family wasn't a very, well, it just wasn't a pleasant home. But I'd been told when I was very small that my twin sister, uh, she died when she was a baby, but someone told me that she went to heaven. So that was my goal. Find heaven and find my sister. Um, it, it seems strange that I hadn't heard the gospel. But when I was 11, our family moved from Montreal to Detroit right downtown, 10 minutes across that Ambassador Bridge. So it was a pretty wild existence in the 50s. But um, always in the back of my mind was heaven. How to find it? Who can go there? I knew it wasn't me because I knew I was a little sinner. But one day I was up in a tree and I heard some music playing. And music has always been very, very important to me. I looked down and here's this big white van parked uh, right beside the sidewalk. And I scurried down there to figure out what was going on. And there was a man standing on the sidewalk with a microphone, preaching his heart out to no one. And I don't remember his exact words, but he was telling me that God loved me, and there was no one around but me. He was telling me God loved me, had a plan for me, and that if I would ask him, he would forgive my sin. And if I did that, I could go to heaven. I was very excited. I remember feeling very old at that moment. 
like I'd been wandering and looking and searching for so long. So right there on the sidewalk in Motown, this man, whoever he was, led me to Christ, and that's where I became a part of God's family. I asked him to forgive my sin, and he did. Hmm. And I thought, I was so <laughs> excited. How, how old were you, Lord? I was 11. 11. But I was so excited because I thought I was going to get to go that day. So that night, and it wasn't morbid, but that night and many nights after, I laid in bed and I just held my breath. I tried to stop breathing, thinking that, poof, I'd be in heaven, but I'm still here. <laughs> awesome. It somehow doesn't surprise me that you were up a tree. <laughs> <Looking down. laughs> That's wonderful. Praise That's the Lord. Nice, yeah. So how did you come to Christ, Christ Bill? Well, I was raised in Ontario, and I had a twin brother, and we used to get into all kinds of trouble. And uh, as we grew up, my, uh, my parents always wanted us to go to church. But my brother and I were involved in sports, and we played for the city of Hamilton. And one thing I really wanted to do was I wanted to play professional baseball. So after trying out with the Pittsburgh Pirates... I was told that there were so many people on their waiting list that were in the, in the United States of America that there weren't too many opportunities for Canadian guys at that time. And I had a number of friends that went down and tried out and came home and told the same story. So we all ended up playing for Hamilton. And uh, so I got a little bit discouraged. And just as life goes, all of a sudden I decided that the best thing to do is to leave home and go work someplace else. And so I did. I applied to the Hudson Bay Company, was accepted. And at the very last minute, my twin brother, he decided to do the same thing. So I got shipped off to a little place called the Tickameg, which is whitefish in Cree. And it's a little place way over in northern Alberta. And my brother was sent to Barron's River up in Manitoba. But my story was different than his because he worked for the Hudson Bay, came home, and then just kind of lived at home, and that, we'll come to that later on. <laughs> but while I was with the Bay, I met a missionary family. And by this time, I was on the verge of, if I wasn't, I was on the verge of being an alcoholic. All we did was drink and work. And uh, so anyways, they uh, invited me up to their place. And I can remember distinctly, it was the uh, 30th of March, 1968. And they told me all about, they went from Genesis to Revelation. And if you knew this couple, you'd see why. But anyways, they, they could tell that I was probably in pretty bad shape. And so I guess I need rescuing. So they shared the gospel with me. And so the next night, I could not wait to go back up again. And so this is March 31st, so I stayed right through until April the 1st at 3 o'clock in the morning. Finally, I guess they thought that I was ready to make a decision, so they invited me. Well, actually, the wife, Carol, I mean, the wife, Kathy, uh, she had gone to bed about 12.30 and just said I was so tired, but I found out later she went to bed to pray for me. So... Carol, her husband, stayed up with me till 3, and then at 3 o'clock in the morning, he led me to Christ. Mm. And I wish I could say that my life changed drastically. Well, it did for a bit, but I still struggled with alcohol 
make a long story short, the Lord just seemed to keep me moving and meeting people along the way that kept reminding me about my commitment to Christ. And then finally, uh, I just decided it was time to resign from the Hudson Bay Company. And I came back down, and at Christmas time, they sent me off to Bible college the way I was. <laughs> and I really didn't think they were going to keep me. But <laughs> anyways, I ended up at Bible college, and they kept me. And I'll let Lorna tell some of the rest of the story. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Would you say, you know, I think of, uh, you know, Bill, as you, as you shared, thank you for sharing, for sharing that. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people... Maybe they, maybe they receive Christ, and you know God does make a change, but they still struggle, and sometimes you know uh, they they struggle with that struggle, right? Well, man, I thought God was just supposed to take this all away. Um, how did you, if I can ask, like how did you just were reminded? Maybe if reiterate, reminded that God had His hand on you, that He was. That uh, even even through the struggle, is that a okay. fair question? Yeah. Well, what it did, it came to a head. Um, I was um, living up in a little place called Meander River, just on the territory board at the time, with the Hudson Bay Company. And uh, the fellow and I that were there, we were co-managing this store. We were just young, like I was in my twenties, he was in his twenties, and all of a sudden, we found out that his mother, and his mother's sister were coming to visit us. I guess they thought they could come and take care of two bachelors, right, and get us all straightened out. Well, we had just finished off a bottle of vodka. I was kind of staggering. I was standing, I remember this thing, I was standing in the doorway, and they were doing laundry in between at the old bay place there in Meander River. And I made this outlandish statement that I was going to go to Bible college one day. And they turned around and they said, you know, they don't take people like you. <laughs> and what I found out was they lived in Regina. And, of course, they knew about the uh, Canadian Bible College that was in Regina at that time. And also Briarcrest was just down the road in Cairnport. But, you know, that night I said that I'm not going to drink anymore. Hmm. And I never did again. Wow. And that's, cool. when, and that's when God began to work. And uh, it was a struggle, I kid you not. It was a struggle because both the young fellow that was there and the next guy that came in were both heavy drinkers and they spent every night, seemed like, after work drinking. So I was very tempted to get back into it, but the Lord just kept me. Hmm. And uh, I can remember the uh, director of Northern County Evangelical Mission, they were driving up this highway that went up into the Northwest Territories and they used to drop in to see me, and I know they invited me up for Christmas. And the, Now, i got to give you a picture of what I looked like. I used to wear a white Stetson. I had a full-length fur coat with rough-in, with rough-out cowboy boots over my jeans. And I had this long, long hair and this big black beard. Wow. This was... <laughs> This was interesting because they said, they said, we'd love to have you come up for Christmas, but we suggest that you get a haircut. <laughs> and that's, that's Gene's dad, okay. Howard's dad. That that, did that. Was, it's, uh, who's yeah. helping out with our church in Thunder Bay. Yeah, that's exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so that's how we are, we're connected. <laughs> wow. But anyways, that's after that, that's when, that's when I knew yeah. that, 
there had to be some changes made. <laughs> so I did get a haircut, and I did end up Bible college not time, not, not that long afterwards, really. Yeah, that yeah. was in December, and I ended up in Bible college January of 1969. Yeah. So Awesome. Boy, we're going to have that picture of Bill. Oh, no, that's, that's awesome. Go, go ahead and, you know, whatever you're, if you want to talk about how you met or, you know, those yeah, kind of that's things. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay, Bill was sent down to Bible college, actually a year after I had graduated. And then uh, a bit after I graduated, I came back on staff to be an assistant to one of the professors, grading papers and creating assignments, which was really um, was kind of, I don't know how to say this. I guess I was just too active to be put in an office somewhere. And Bill was uh, an older student, and I was a young staff member. And uh, I hadn't met him at all. But uh, one of the things I did to keep active is I played tennis. And in, in that day, I don't want to say back in my day, but <laughs> back in my day, the girls were supposed to just sit and be pretty and, and be nice. And if you did play sports with guys, you were supposed to let them win because it made them feel good. Well, I just wasn't that kind of a girl. And I played tennis with a lot of different gr guys because girls weren't supposed to do that. But um, they probably weren't very good because it got really easy to beat them. But it's probably just that they weren't very good. <laughs> So I told my friend Rhonda, Rhonda, I want the guy that I marry to be able to beat me in tennis. Just that's what I said. And then Rhonda knew this big Bill Powell guy that I didn't know. And I'm not sure what Rhonda said to Bill, but he came to see me. And this is what he said. Rhonda Jenkins told me that if I beat you in tennis, you'll marry me. <laughs> now, that's not what I said. <laughs> well, we arranged to play, and he just wiped me off the court. So um, I decided I didn't ever want to see him again. <laughs> well, in that day, I, that's how I defined myself, by what I was good at. And I considered myself good at this, and it, it felt like he was taking it away from me. But we just kept playing. But, you know, they forgot to tell me one thing, and that was that he was a tennis instructor. Oh, that makes a difference, right? <laughs> yes, yes, I think so too. They left out that information, yeah. Yes, they left that out. So awesome. um, we had a lot of friction in the first little while. But actually, we were married six months later. So, wow. And I got over myself. <laughs> so good. That's wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. And so, of course, you, I know we're kind of maybe jumping ahead, but, but uh, that you've, you've been in ministry together, right? You both graduated and kind of, uh, and you know, just, yeah, just touch a little bit on what you've, what you've done well, in ministry. We, um, we uh, came with Village Missions of Canada in 1975, 75, so um, we worked with them for 40 years, and that meant we were going to uh, small villages mostly in Alberta and BC, mostly in BC, where we would be the only pastor in the whole area. There was no other denomination. And it was a time of just um, 
being a pastor, not just to the church, but to the whole community. And sports was a really big thing to both of us. And so God used that with drop-in volleyball and basketball and holding basketball camps for the kids and in lots and lots of different ways, as well as carrying on a full church ministry. And then um, uh, 20-some years ago, we were asked to be district reps for Village Missions. That meant we got to go around and visit all the Village Missions families in their home, and that was just the best job ever. It was just so awesome to be there for them and mentor them and be on call to them 24 hours a day. It was just amazing. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Awesome. It, uh, can, I, uh, can I jump kind of to very, very recent? And if you don't mind sharing this, Bill, of course your, uh, of course your mom just passed passed away. Mm-hmm. And I know the, the Bible study crew, we've kind of walked a little bit through, you know, celebrating your mom. I don't want to give it away, but just your mom's more recent faith journey. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that and how that sure. gives you hope today? Mm-hmm. Well, can I share just one? Yes, go ahead. Yep, yep. About our ministry? Because, because we lived in the rural areas, um, our first posting was to a little place called Bazanzan, just outside of Grand Prairie, Alberta. And, uh, and Gaelic knows where that is. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we, we were supposed to visit people, and they wanted us to do about 80 visits a month. So it was a lot of going door-to-door, meeting people, helping them any way we could. And so because we were young, getting into ministry, we started out right away. On the very first Thursday, we went out together. And we thought people were either very unfriendly or there just wasn't anybody home. But there wasn't much success to it. So then we found out that on Thursday, in that part of the country, it was Farmer's Day in town. So if you wanted to meet anybody, you had to be at the co-op, because that's where everybody went to have coffee and just kind of sit around and chat about the farming and what was going on in their fields and whatever else. So anyways, when the spring came... We went down to the ballpark one night, and Byzantin had a team called the Byzantin Nort Brothers. There was a family that lived there, and they supported the team. And so I went over to the coach. His name was Harry Nellis, one-armed fellow, but I knew his family a little bit. And I, I kind of thought, you know, he's probably going to say no, but I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to ask, Right. And Lorna and our little Kimmy was there, and so I went over and said, do you think there's any chance of playing ball on this ball team? And what I didn't know was this, that the Bazan Norton brothers were the Alberta single-A top team champions of all of Alberta, the best baseball team in Alberta. So this was no small thing to ask to play on a team like that, but I didn't know that, so... I asked anyways, and so Harry looked at me, and I had a, just a T-shirt on and my, my kind of horn-rimmed black glasses. You didn't have your fur coat on. No, I didn't. <laughs> and I had my, had my jeans on, because that's what you do in those places. You wear your jeans. And I had my glove and my spikes in the back of the truck. So Harry took a look at me, and I think he wanted to say no, but quite a few people by now knew I was the new pastor in town, and I mean the stands were full. That's one thing about Byzantin. They really supported the ball teams. So anyways, he said, well, uh, have you got your equipment with you? And I said, well, I've got my glove and my ball spikes in the back. So he said, okay, come and sit in the bench. 
and we'll see what happens. So anyways, the game starts, and about, I think it was probably a third or fourth inning, but it was a close game, and the Norton brothers were losing, which was unusual, but a fight broke out at home plate. There was a close call, and the guys got into a fight. Harry turns to me and says, well, I've got no choice. I've got to put you into the game now. So he said, go out and right field where you can't do any damage. So he shoved me out in the field. The game progressed and uh, came to the seventh inning in, in, in fastball, which is what they played. Um, there were only seven innings. Seven innings came, and here the Norton brothers were down a couple of runs, but they had two men on base, and the big fellow up ahead of me was Harry Nellis's son, who later played pro ball. He was up the bat next, so they walked Harry's son less and put him on first base. So now you got the picture. Two out, the bottom of the seventh inning, bases are loaded, and here up comes the preacher. Wearing my horn rim glasses, my white T-shirt, and my jeans. And the pitcher looked at me, and I could tell what's going through his mind. Like, let's just stri strike this guy out and get this game over, right? Well, all I remember is that the first pitch was down the middle of the plate, and I hit a home run. Wow. Well, by the time, the time I got the third base, Harry was coaching third base. The time I got the third base, Harry grabbed me, and he says, you don't have to go home. He says, the game's over. The bases are loaded, so they've all scored. The game's over. So he grabbed me, and the rest of the guys grabbed me, picked me up, carried me around the field, knocked my glasses off, and they stomped <laughs> on them. But, you know, that's what God used to open up the whole community because I got phone calls from little old ladies. <laughs> I got a phone call from the women's auxiliary. They wanted me to come over and talk to them and visit with them. So it just seemed to work. And then, of course, some of the guys became Christians. And so it was just tremendous wow. how God used that. Sounds like a home run. <laughs> yeah, just over a home run. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So anyways, back to my mom. Yeah. 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 Um, anyways, a few years ago, um, well, you, say, you tell what you were thinking, okay? Well, um, we had visited Bill's mom, and she kept saying, I just want to die. Excuse me. I just want to fall asleep and not wake up. And I said to her, well, that's okay if you know where you're going. And she said, I don't care where I'm going. I just want to die. So it just broke our hearts. We went home. And we, on the way home, it seemed like the Lord was putting an idea in our heads. And um, we went back about a month later. And we had decided to tell Mom that... There was something um, really important that we wanted to talk to her about. And so she said, what is that? And we said, we're very sad because we're not sure if we'll be spending heaven with you. And it just broke her heart. And God knew that's the thing that would break her heart. And she just stopped and she said, well, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Hmm. And so Bill said, well, I don't want to push you into anything. And she said, nobody's making me do anything. Tell me what to do. And so Bill said, well, we'll pray. And she said, well, you'll have to tell me how to pray. So Bill prayed, and then she just prayed after him. And, and you can tell she went from somebody that was very belligerent to a sweet child like uh, mm -hmm. just a precious person. Mm -hmm. 
So it was pretty amazing. That's awesome. And how long ago was that? Was that was when she was 98. Wow, wow. But yeah. you know, the amazing thing is, then I asked her a big question because I didn't know, you know how she would feel about the whole thing. Um, so I said, well, do you mind if I pray with you? And that's what she looked forward to. So every time we were there and every time on the phone, I would phone her in the morning or phone her in the evening. Every single time I'd say, Mom, do you mind if I pray with you? And that seemed to be the thing that softened her heart more and more all the way through the whole process. Mm. And, and God just seemed to just give her that peace at the end because, mm. you know, it was just a week ago, this, like early this morning, a week ago is when she passed away. Yeah. And that's the one thing that the nurse said. Her name was Charlene. She said, I was with your mom because we had come and gone and my sister had come and gone. And we knew that probably it would happen when we weren't there. And then sure enough, it was so nice to know that a Christian nurse was there. And she actually reached out and took her hand, Charlene's hand. And uh, Charlene was there when she passed away. And she mm -hmm. said she passed away very peacefully. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing what God did in her heart. Mom had a smile on her face. Yeah. Her, my mom had smiled. Because she was kind of not conscious at yeah. this time. Yeah, she was. At times she would open her eyes up, and one time she reached out towards Lorna when she was there like that. But most of the time she was just kind of there, and you sh we knew she could understand what we were saying, though, because she would open her eyes up and she would look at you. Mm -hmm. And then Lorna would put the music, like the music for the worship team, she loves certain songs, and so Lorna would key it up on those songs and put the uh, iPhone right next to her on the pillow, and then she'd listen to the music. And then I would just pray with her, and we'd quote scripture to her, and you could just tell that, that, that something was going on in her heart while she was just in those last, you know, 11 days after she turned 100, she passed away, so she didn't have that many days. I mean... She passed away at 101. So 11 wow. days after her 101st birthday, wow. she passed away. So it's just amazing what God did. Hmm. So you can remember to pray for us. Well, I want to thank you for praying for us as a family and praying for her because uh, it, was, it was amazing what God did. I'll tell you one answer to prayer. Um, we were wondering what we were going to do because my mom some time ago had mentioned that there was a plot, she thought, in Deserondo that belonged to the family in the cemetery. And at first, we thought it was at the Anakin Church, but we found out, I phoned and found out that the Anakin Church never did have a cemetery, but Deserondo did. Mm -hmm. So I phoned the city hall and I talked to the registrar there, and she said, well, the lady that's in charge of the cemetery was on lunch, but she'll give you a call back. She phoned back. We got visiting, and uh, Gail told me that it was interesting because we do have a plot in your family's name and we could never understand why there was three spots in the plot. And her mom and her dad are both there and I said, well, that's the reason why is because my mom, mom wants to be buried in the cemetery in Deserano. So we've already made arrangements with them. So when the time comes, we will just simply go down as a family and we'll do a service from them at the uh, hmm. cemetery in Deserano. So that's a great answer to prayer. Awesome. Okay. Um, for a while, we didn't know because Bill's sister was uh, had power of attorney, and she was kind of in charge of everything. We weren't sure what she would want for a service for mom, and so we were just kind of praying about it and asking others to pray. 
And so Mary Kay and Ron, Mary Kay and Bill were, <coughs> excuse me, on the phone, and Mary Kay was going on about all the plans that she was making for everything. And then Bill said, "Well, who will do the service?" And she just said, "Well, you." And we were in the dark until she said that because we weren't sure what Mary Kay was planning. Because you felt there was a, you even felt that maybe they didn't even have a service at all. Yeah, it, we didn't know, know just, what was she was going thing, to do. Right? So we were That's very wonderful. thankful yeah. that on the 27th of the month, um, yeah. Bill will officiate at his mom's funeral. So we're just praising God for that. Praise the Lord. Awesome. So you've had, uh, you've, you know, we've seen through our stories, and especially your story, just God's hand over the years in very different ways, different people, different, you know, you think of that street preacher who you don't even know who he was, <laughs> right? Just yeah you'll meet him at yeah you'll meet him in heaven and uh you know baseball from baseball to street preaching to it's awesome to see god's god's hand in your life anything more you want to share before we can you give her the mic there bill what is god doing now yes what is god doing now um just the song we sang this morning I was lost in utter, utter, utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when you, your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me, and I'll never be alone. Amen. Amen. That was summing it up. Wonderful. Anything and the one thing share? I yeah, would say ahead. is yeah. it's never too late to make <laughs> a decision for Christ. I don't know all your backgrounds, but I know that when my mom said she wanted to make that decision and that I wasn't forcing her to do it, it was something that she wanted to do. It's, it's something that everybody does need to do yeah. at some point. Absolutely. I know when I, when I was raised in the church, my mom would, tell, would have told you up until just a bit ago, she would probably have told you that I was a Christian because I was baptized and confirmed in the church. Hmm. Hmm. But I knew I wasn't a Christian. Hmm. And so when I made that decision for Christ back in 1968, I told my parents and they said, you need a psychiatrist. <laughs> they really said that. Yeah, they <laughs> did. They said. They, they, yeah. yeah, wow. Exactly, yeah. because they said, you've always been a Christian. And I said, well, no, not really, because I said, I said, maybe I was baptized and confirmed in the church. But I said, I, I never trusted Christ yeah. as my personal Savior. Yeah, yeah. And so Praise the it Lord. just yeah. made all the difference knowing Bill, that my mom had made that decision. Would, too. You, uh, would you mind just maybe praying, praying for us today and maybe just uh, in your prayer, just a reminder of what it means to, to receive Christ personally? And uh, maybe as an affirmation of our faith, or maybe there is someone that has never, you know, they're kind of like you. They kind of, well, I have all these things along the way that, well, everyone says I'm a Christian, but they know they've never, it's not been a heart thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, would that be all right if we closed our time that way? Yeah, let's pray together. All right, Father, we do. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you reach out to us in our need and no matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no, what, no matter what our background is, we know that in your love, you are searching for us. Mm -hmm. And your desire is that we come to you in faith, 
and that we surrender our lives to you and, and mm. make it a personal thing with you. Mm. So I just pray this morning, there's anybody here this morning that maybe has gone to church and maybe has been doing all the things that were required of them, but have never really trusted you in a personal way, that you would just touch their heart right now and just remind them that you love them, you died for them, mm -hmm. you provided a way back to you through the death of your son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And just as we did this morning, we celebrated the communion service, which reminds us that Jesus paid the price. Yes, he paid the price for our sins by shedding his precious blood that we can be forgiven. Mm -hmm. So I just mm -hmm. pray that that one person this morning, perhaps, will just surrender their lives to you and find forgiveness today for their sin and find a new relationship afresh this morning with Jesus mm. Christ as their Savior. Mm. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.